And I want you to turn to 1 Kings chapter 18. Revival on Mount Carmel. Revival on Mount Carmel. 1 Kings chapter 18, verse number 17. And it came to pass when Ahab saw Elijah, that Ahab said unto him, Art thou he that troubled Israel? Now he's talking to the man of God and asking him, Are you the ones troubling Israel? Now I know there are some people in this world to say that the man of God is the one that's troubling our country today. But it's those who don't know God. And he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but thou and thy father's house, in that ye have forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and thou hast fallen Balaam. Now therefore send and gather to me all Israel unto Mount Carmel, and prophets of Baal four hundred and fifty, and the prophets of Groves four hundred, which eat at Jezebel's table. And Ahab sent unto the children of Israel, and gathered the prophets unto the Mount Carmel. Let us pray. Father, we just thank you, Lord. We just give you the praise. We give you the honor. And we give you the glory tonight, Lord. Just speak to our hearts. May we... We just uh, glorify you tonight, Lord. It's not man that we glorify. It's not each other we glorify, but we come to glorify you and we'll praise you. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Now, I realize that we're not in a revival meeting. We're not going into a revival, but some of us has been in a revival meeting uh, these past weeks. Uh, but I am convinced that God can send a revival Whenever his people are open to it, you don't have to have a series of meetings. Uh, you don't have to set aside a day or two on the calendar. If God's people is open to the revival, if God's people are open up for him to send the fire down, God will send the fire down. You don't have to have a revival meeting in order for God to touch his people. We don't have to have a guest preacher. When God's people get serious about the things of God and open their hearts to God, I just believe that God would open up the heavens and pour out a blessing. Pour out a spirit of revival and pour out the fire upon His people. I believe with all my heart, and He can do it right here, God can send a revival if He want it bad enough. You say, preacher, are you saying where the church needs a revival? What I'm saying, God's people needs a revival. And when God's people get revived, then the church gets revived. I believe God is trying to tell people we need to wake up. We're living in a day where it's all about me, and it's all about this and all about that. But let me just say this. We need to start putting our minds on God each and every day. Here in the text here, you do not find the word revival, but we have all the elements of a revival. Amen? You have a preacher preaching. What saith the Lord? You want to have revival? Have somebody just open up the book of God and start preaching the word of God. Revival's not going to come through singing. I love singing. It's not going to come through some seminar. Revival will come through the man of God 
and he steps in the pulpit and opens up the book and says, this is what the Lord has said. Somebody has to open up to the word of God and preach the word of God. We need to stop tickling the ears of people today and preach me what I want to hear. I don't want to be stepped on the sin in my life. I like the stuff that's going on in my life. Don't preach against what I'm doing. Preach against what they're doing. If you preach the word of God, and when you have people repenting, it doesn't matter how hard the preacher preach. If people don't have a repented heart, there will be no revival. God cannot send the fire if there's nobody repenting in their life today. When you come to verse 38, you find the fire and the power of God on display. I don't know about you, but I want to see the power of God. I, I want to see the fire of God falling on His people and on His churches again. We think the only time that we need God is during a revival. Can I say we need the fire of God every day of our lives? I want to see it on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday. I want to see it when I get up out of the bed tomorrow night, tomorrow morning. I want to see it when I get up on Saturday. I want to see the fire of God. But we've limited God to Sunday, Sunday night and Wednesday night. God can send a fire right here if, if you want it. It's not that God chooses if you desire the fire God will send you the fire God is not going to force a revival on you God is not going to force the power of God in your life God is not going to send the fire upon a Christian or a church if you don't want it you're going to have to want the fire of God you're going to have to want the power of God you're going to have to want a revival in your life Notice the indictment in verse 18. And he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but thou, thy father's house, and that ye have forsaken the commandments of the Lord, thou hast followed Balaam. Elijah said, I'm not the problem. You're the problem. Can I tell you that tonight that God is saying the same thing? Uh, he's sitting on his throne. Uh, he's not changed. Uh, he has not gone nowhere. He says, I've changed not. I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. It is you are the problem. You're forsaking God. You're following out the false idols. You're seeking out the pleasures of this world. You are the problem. I'm not the problem. They've gotten rid of the commandments. They're trying to get rid of the Bible today and the Word of God today. Our country has turned its back on God. Our country is telling we don't need God in the churches. We don't need God in school. We don't need God in government. Let me tell you, we need God everywhere. We see what the school system looked like today when we took God out. And it will not be long. It's going to look just as bad in the government because they're kicking God out. Let me just say this, there are some churches that look like a battle zone because God is no longer in there. They don't fear God. They come with the mindset, I'm going to do what I want to do. When you come here, it's what God wants to do. 
We see the indictment. It's not God's fault. It's our fault. Elias says, where have you the problem? You are the problem. We see the issue in verse 21. And Elijah came unto the people and said, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow Him. If Baal, then follow Him. Here was the issue. As Elijah said, Y'all need to side up. You need to figure out which side you're going to be on. Stop playing games. You can't have it both ways. You can't be in a world one day and a church the next day. Uh, he said, you've got to side up. You've got to make a decision. You've got to choose your way. If you expect the fire to fall into your life, if you expect the power of God to fall in your life, then you've got to choose the side of God. We need, God says we need people to stop straddling the fence. They're straddling the fence. You need to quit playing around with God and get plugged all the way in and sell out. You can't have it both ways. It's either it's God's way or no other way. That we're not Burger King, Burger King Christians. We say we don't do this, we don't do that, but yet when you walk out the door, you support it, you hang around with it, and you take it home with you. Amen. Y'all all right? Amen. I'm just saying. We see the issue. Notice the indecision in verse 21. And I, I believe this is where we're at in our country today. And the people answered him not. Can I say, Christians, we need to start speaking up. Here he gives them the message, and they answered him not. It is time for God's people to speak up. We have been quiet too long. This world is in a mess. We could point the fingers and we could point it out everybody else. But let me just say this. We ought, the judgment begins at the house of God. Maybe we ought to start pointing it at ourselves. Say, hey, you've been quiet too long. You have not stood up for anything. You haven't said anything. And we just let things slide by. And we want to blame everybody else except for the house of God, the people of God. Time for the church says, stand up and speak up. We've gotten quiet on God. Preachers gotten quiet. God's people have gotten quiet. It's time for God's people to side up and speak up. Quit being ashamed of the gospel. Quit being ashamed of the Lord Jesus Christ. Stand up against sin. This country is going to hell in a handbasket. And every time you turn around, they come up with some new way to offend God. And believe this or not, they come up with some new way to offend God, and yet the church accepts it. It's time for us to stand up. Time to stand up. It's time for us to speak up. Notice the individual in verse 22. 
Then said Elijah unto the people, I, even I, only remain a prophet of the Lord. The Baal's prophets are 450 men. I would say Elijah is pretty well outnumbered here. I would say if it would have been me, I'm probably not going to stand there and face that many people by myself. And Elijah said, hey, I'm the only one here. As my, I and I only is here. But you don't find Elijah running. You don't find him hiding. You don't find him going into a closet. No, he stood. He said, I even, I even, I only remain. You're going to have to stand up for the things that you trust and believe in God. If you want the fire of God in the day in which we live in, then you're going to have to stand against the things of this world. Somebody's got to stand and not be scared of this world. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Somebody's going to have to be brave. Can I say this? You won't walk long if you walk alone. Y'all get that? You won't walk long if you walk alone. We need people. We need somebody to stand up. We can't just have one. Hey, one person in church stand against the world. And let me tell you what, it won't stand long. But if everybody in the church stood up and says, I'm not going to take it no more. I'm not going to bend no more. I'm not going to swave. I'm not going to give in. But I'm going to stand on the promises and the principles of God. I'm standing up. And we do it together. We can go together. Amen. So here, Elijah, he calls them all to Mount Carmel. I love this story. The Bible says they took two bullocks and cut them up, two altars, and laid them on the altar. So now y'all call on y'all little G gods. Y'all call on those false idols that you hang out with. And he says, which God burns it up, let him be God. And here are these guys, these prophets of Baal, they're beating on themselves, uh, they're cutting them scales, uh, they're running around screaming and yelling all day long. This is not, you know, this is not, whoo, let's get it over with. No, they're doing this all day long, all the way up to the evening sacrifice, the Bible said. And then finally Elijah says, I've had enough. I'm through with this. I'm not going to stand for this no more. You've been calling on your God. Uh, he might be on vacation. He might be asleep. Uh, he's not even here yet. Maybe he's even deaf. And he's not answering you. Amen. Here these backslidden people are calling on a God that doesn't even exist. They're jumping up and down, screaming, cutting themselves. They prayed and there was neither voice nor any answer nor any regard, the Bible said. I'm glad we have a God that knows where we're at. 
that knows what we're going through. And when we call on Him, He answers us. Elijah said unto the people, come near unto me. Elijah said, enough. He called them over and said, the Bible said they came near to him. And here's the message. This is what I would show you tonight. Just, just three quick little things tonight. If you want the fire to fall, if you want the power of God, you want a revival in your life, these things that you're going to have to do. First of all, they, they had to fix what was broken. Verse number 30. And Elijah said unto them, that all the people come near unto me, and the people came near unto him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken. They had to fix what was broken. You want to have revival in your home, in your heart, in your church? You're going to have to fix what is broken. The altars of our church are broken down. And some don't even have an altar in a church no more. It seems like the altar are getting uh, misused, the less used out of them today. Nobody wants to come to the altar no more. The altar is a place where you can come and get help. We've learned this. We know this when we pray. Bible says uh, when you come to the altar, the incense is where God says, that's where I will meet you at. And let me just say, if God says I'll meet them at the altar of incense, uh, then God is saying, I will meet you at the altar right here. Wherever you have your altar at, God said, I'll meet you there. I'll meet you there. The problem is our altars have been broken down. I don't know if you have an altar at your house. I don't know if you have a secret place that you go to and you pray, but it seems like the door has been locked. It seems like we used to go in the closet and start praying, but now we just lock the door so we don't have to go in. You know people don't want to come to the altar because everybody looks at them with, something's wrong with them. They must have some problems. In a, I got problems in my life. I come to the altar because that's where I want to meet the Lord at. Amen. It's not because I've got problems all the time, but sometimes I just come to the altar and say, Lord, I want to thank you for what you did. I, I want to give you the glory for what you did. And there's people in my life that I want to pray for. But I don't want to go to I don't want to look crazy going to the altar. We find that today. You can preach your heart out. You can preach till you're blue in the face and tell them they're all dying and going to hell. If they don't get on the altar and everybody's dead in Nobody steps out and everybody, hmm, I don't know. You be lost and undone on your way to hell and you know you're going to hell, but yeah, I ain't going to the altar. Don't make me look like a fool. I'd rather be looking like a fool going to the altar to get saved with God than standing in the pews going to hell and walking out the door and this could be your last chance to get right with God. The altar is the place that we got to repair the altars, not only in the churches, but in your homes, in our lives. We, he said the first thing that's going to have to be done in order for you to see the fire of God, the power of God, and a revival coming in your heart, you've got to fix some things. You've got to fix some things. You've got to fix that altar, amen? We've letting it go on by. Families falling apart. You're sitting here feeling like feelings of hatred to people. You've got to fix some broken things in your life. 
Somebody's got to make a move. You may be sitting here tonight feeling like your life is broken into pieces. Maybe you have allowed something to come into your life that should not have come into your life. That you know should not have came into your life. Well, I'm glad to report you to tonight that with God we serve can take the broken things of your life and make them new again. He can mend them again. He takes that broken vessel. He don't throw it away. He put it back on the potter's wheel and he molded it again that he can use it one more time. But you got to fix some things in your life in order to see the power of God come into your life. Look at the second thing. They filled up the barrels. In verse 32. And with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord. And he made a trench about the altar. A great as wood contained two measures of seed. And he put the wood in order, cut the bullet in pieces and laid it upon the wood and said, Fill four barrels with water and pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. He said, do it a second time. And then he said, do it a third time. And they did it the third time. And the water ran around about the altar, and he filled the trench also with water. They filled up the barrels. You say, what is the point of that? How is I'm going to uh, get God's attention? They took all those barrels of water and poured it all over the offering. I'm not the smartest tool in the shed. But when I used to start fires, it didn't start out with water. I mean, I didn't run to the kitchen, get a glass of water, and pour it on the wood. Now, let's see it start. Now, I made sure it was dry. I had to start a lot of fires when I was young, in my grandma's house. And she taught me how to start a fire. It was always a little dry kindling. You got it started. When it starts burning, then you start laying it on top of it. You got to have fire to start a fire. Elijah said, pour four barrels of water on the altar. Do it again. Do it a third time. Fill the trench up. That just don't make sense. That, that, I'm, 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 thinking that I'm thinking to myself, Elijah, what's wrong with you? You're, you're wanting everybody to see that God is God. But you're putting water on it. But let me just tell you what Elijah said to me. <laughs> While I was reading this, this came to my heart and says, Elijah said, hey, I want them to know that when the water is burnt up and the water is licked up and the bullets burnt up and the wood's burnt up and the stones burned up and the sand's burned up, it was nobody but God could do that. He was more to make sure when it does happen, it was God. They couldn't go around and say, hey, you know what, I, I think Joe over there, he started that fire from back over and threw it over there. No, it couldn't be there. I think they had a blowtorch in there. All of a sudden, no, no. Elijah said, when it does happen, when God does it, they're going to know that it was God who did this. Let me take, there's some things in your life, you look back in your life, you look back and say, you know what? That wasn't me. That was God. Acknowledging to yourself, it's not about me.
anything good about me is Jesus Christ. Myself, by myself and myself alone, I am a mess. But with God, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We need to stop having man worship and start having God worship. Giving God the glory. Giving glory where it's due, and that's to God. It ain't about you. It ain't about me. It's all about Him tonight. We need to get back to giving God the glory. We have allowed this charismatic movement to scare us. And I'm talking about Baptists. I've been in some pretty dead Baptist churches, I'll tell you. I preached in one. I didn't know if there was anybody alive when I left. They're all still sitting. I don't know if you're still sitting there or not. But we've we, we, we let this charismatic movement scares of the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says you'll be baptized with fire, the Holy Spirit. I'm not afraid of something that God's going to give me. Amen. But we let them get us so afraid uh, that we won't even raise our hand. We won't even say amen. Uh, we don't get excited because we're afraid of the Holy Ghost. I'm afraid to look like an idiot. Ooh. You know I'm known in Georgia as the Fruit Loop. I'm a Fruit Loop in Georgia. They said, you one crazy nut. You crazy. I, I know I'm crazy. And that was in a Pentecostal church now. <laughs> they were telling they were calling me crazy. I'm looking at them go, oh, oh. <laughs> But we're afraid of letting God move inside of us to show what God has done for us. I told you the other night, when you start remembering what God has done inside of you, you'll start giving him the glory on the outside of you. Amen. How many sitting here bought by the blood? Mm. Mm. How many sitting here know they're on the way to heaven? Mm. Mm. How many here are afraid to say, praise God? All of y'all afraid to say it. All of you. God has done something for you that nobody else could ever do for you. And we don't give him the glory. Amen. I'm just telling you. You got to fix some things in your life. You got to fill the barrels. You got to fill yourself with the Spirit of God. The water is the Spirit. Talking about the Spirit, the Holy Ghost. You got to fill yourself with God. Then they focused on the beyond. Verse 36. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord, here's his prayer. Here's his prayer. Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel, that I am thy servant, and I have done all these things at thy word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that these people may know that thou art the Lord God, and that thou hast turned their hearts back again. Remember that. We'll talk about that in just a minute. This is Elijah's prayer. Now, did you 
really, we, we don't, when we read the Bible, sometimes we really just don't read the Bible. You need to take your time and really look at it. I just read you the prayer of Elijah to call the fire down from heaven. In that prayer, do you see something that Elijah does? Hmm. Elijah thanks God for something that has not happened yet. They have not repented. repented. They have not turned their hearts back until verse 39. He's praying in verse 37 and 38. Elijah was looking beyond the present circumstances. He looked beyond those that were mocking him, those that were making fun of him, saying that was the problem. He focused beyond of that and said, by faith, God, I want to thank you for turning their hearts back. If you want to get revived, you want to receive the fire of God, we need to start praying more in faith. Instead of praying, God, I want you to bless them. I want you to bless the church. Instead of you ought to start praying, God, I thank you for blessing them. I thank you for blessing the church. Even though it has not happened, you'll start saying, God, I'm looking beyond all this right here. I'm looking beyond the circumstances. And I'm looking before beyond seeing you doing that by faith. And that's exactly what Elijah was doing. He prayed by faith, thanking them for thanking God for turning their hearts back. We just don't believe God can do it anymore. We just don't think when we pray that God can do it anymore. But can I tell you, God can do all things. We believe that God can do miracles. We just don't believe He'll do this for us when we pray. He focused on the beyond. We need to start focusing on beyond. Then the fire fell. Verse 38. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was. You know, that was a powerful fire right there. I've seen a fires burn an awful lot of things in my years. I've seen it burn trash. I've seen it burn wood. I've seen it burn vehicles. I've seen it burn buildings. I've seen it burn a lot of things in my lifetime. But I've never seen fire burn up a stone. I said, why? So I, I got the checking that out. It said it burnt the stones and the dust and looked up the water. Hmm. So I said, you know what, how hot does that fire got to be to melt a stone? Anybody have an idea? Well, let's just let me tell you then. <laughs> 3,700 degrees Fahrenheit to melt a stone. Now I'm thinking, these people standing around this altar, fire got to be at least that hot, burning everything up, licking the water. That, here we go back again. Start the fire with water. Mm. There he is, looking at water up. But all that, all that is gone. And the stones. 
Man, what a fire. I'd like to sing that. I wonder if it came down like a pillar. And everybody standing around going. Because you remember Baal, you know, the prophets of Baal, all them been crying around all day long, beating themselves, each other crazy, and they cutting themselves, bleeding all over the place. We ain't getting nothing done. That's because you're following the wrong thing. Yeah. Elijah got up there and prayed a little boy, 45, 47 word prayer. Oh, God of Abraham and Isaac and Israel. Boom! The fire came down and consumed everything. You say you sitting here and you got problems in your life. The fire can get rid of it. You got a busted marriage. You got a busted family. You don't know what's going to happen in your job. The fire can get rid of it. Amen. The fire can get rid of it. It consumed everything. The fire of God will consume everything around you that God does not want around you today. That's where the modern church today is. We want verse 38. We want all that. We want the fire to fall down. But we don't want to fix anything. We don't want to have any faith. We don't want to have any preaching. Preacher, just tell me what I want to hear and how good God is and we're all going to heaven. That's a good message. God is good. If you're born again, you're going to heaven. The Bible says preach the whole counsel of God. Preacher, you're going to have to preach. People are going to have to repent. God is going to have to get the glory. If you want the fire to fall in your life, if you've got... Fire falling in your family, in your home, in your work area. You start repenting and giving God the glory. You say, well, I don't know if I need to pray like that. Well, Elijah prayed that way. And got what he prayed for. Why? Because he believed God could do it. He had faith that God could do it. Do you want what you pray for? You better have some faith. But you better fix some things in your life. There may be some things in your life you need to get out of. You better pray in faith, believing God can do things. Focus on the things beyond, not on the circumstances of the day. And then watch the fire fall. Watch Him get it right in your life. Can I say every one of us needs the fire of God in our life? The power of God in our life. And I'm not talking about having a revival for that to happen. We can have it every day. We don't need a revival to have that to happen in our lives. But we're gotten so away from God and the power of God and the faith of God that we've gotten weak. We got stagnated. We can't move. That's, that's why I've been preaching these series here lately. And the things of God and the powers of God and things to get us woken up again. Because let me tell you, I truly believe we're living in the last days and we need to get ourselves ready. And if we get ourselves ready and we prepare ourselves and we're ready, then we can help somebody else. 
we can be a leader to someone else. We can help someone else and lead them to the Christ. But if you're not ready, if you're not doing the thing God wants you to do, you cannot lead. You're waiting for somebody to lead you. And that's not what God wants of his people. He has called you to be royal priest. Amen. Amen. That's even the women in here. You're a priest. You didn't know that, did you? Now you do. Now you do. Amen. But he's called everyone. We're a royal priesthood. He's called you to do some things. And we didn't need to do it. Amen.